Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalms. We will be in Psalm 112 this morning. Psalm 112, which is on page 509 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, I would love if we could provide you with one. We have free Bibles out in the narthex, which is the lobby out here on the right. If you don't own a personal Bible, we would love for you to pick one up out there, grab it, study it throughout the week. You can sign up for the Preparing for the Lord's Day and receive a little uh, encouragement and uh, preview of what the sermon will be about and some verses that you can read to come prepared well to hear God's Word each Sunday morning. Now, before we get to our text, I want to ask you to think through a question. What does it mean to live a good life? What does it mean to have a blessed life, to be content or happy with life? And what is the path to reaching this good life? Now, it feels as though there are Thousands of competing visions of what the good life is. There are the people who seek the good life through adventure. They believe that a good life is one that is filled with adrenaline pumping moments. Rock climbing, surfing, skydiving. There are the achievers who believe that the good life is one that is filled with degrees, honors and accolades. A life well lived is one that is remembered for generations. There are pleasure seekers who want to eat and drink and be merry. There are ease seekers who want to retire early and sleep late. There are those who seek the good life through strenuous activities. Those who seek the good life through minimalism, getting rid of as much as they possibly can. Others retreat into the woods to live a Spartan-like fashion and suck the marrow out of life like Henry David Thoreau said. For many, the good life is just about family, raising children, spending time with grandchildren, being with the ones you love. And there are so many different competing conceptions of the good life that collectively, I think that we've just kind of given up on identifying a single path towards contentment and resigned ourselves to the belief that everyone must just simply find their own way in this world toward a good, happy and blessed life. We invent our own version of what the good life entails and we must forge our own path to get there. Whether the good life is marked by grandchildren, stamps in the passport, number of commas in your retirement fund or the buildings bearing your name, you are the one who has to figure out what the goal is and how to get there. Now Psalm 112 is God's Word on the good life And the path which leads there. However, it presents a countercultural view of what it means to lead a good life. For it does not tell us to follow our own path. Quite the opposite. For Psalm 112 teaches us that the good life, the life that we should seek to live, is not about personal preference or self-actualization It is not about looking inside and figuring out what we want and then going and pursuing it with all that we have. It isn't about taking a personality test and then living out the results as best as you possibly can. Rather, the good life, the blessed life is one that is lived in submission to God. 
and in conformity to His ways. So hear now the Word of the Lord. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in His house, and His righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. Let us pray. Blessed are you, Lord God, the everlasting sovereign God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. O God, whom we long to know, grant us your Holy Spirit, that in knowing your word we might know your presence, and that in following your ways we might live in your light. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The first thing that we need to understand about the life that is blessed, that is the life that is filled with joy and contentment, is that it reflects the image of God. Psalm 112 was meant to be read along Psalm, alongside Psalm 111. There are many things that point us to reading these two Psalms together. First is obviously their placement. Psalm 111, then Psalm 112. They also have the same structure. As you can see, if you look at those Psalms side by side, they both have 11, or rather 10 verses. And they are both acrostic poems, which means each line begins with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So the first line begins with Aleph, then Bet, then Gimel, then Dalit, and down through the Hebrew alphabet. It is meant to be a structure that helps you to memorize these two psalms. And yet it's not just the structure that draws these two psalms together. It is their content. They both begin with the same praise the Lord. Psalm 111 extols the blessed qualities of God. And then we see these same qualities show up in the life of the man who is blessed. So look at these two psalms side by side. In Psalm 111, we'll see references to the Lord. Psalm 112 references to the blessed man. So in verse 3 of Psalm 111, The Lord, His righteousness endures forever. Psalm 112 in verse 3 and 9. 
His righteousness endures forever. In reference to the blessed man. Verse 4 of Psalm 111. The Lord, He has caused His wondrous works to be remembered. Psalm 112, verse 6. The blessed man will be remembered forever. Psalm 111, verse 4. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Psalm 112, verse 4. The blessed man is gracious, merciful, and righteous. Psalm 111, verse 5, the Lord provides food to those who fear Him. Psalm 112, verse 9, the blessed man has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. And we could go on and on. But it is obvious that when these two psalms are read together, that the blessed man spoken of in Psalm 112 is the one who acts in ways that are reflective of the God and the character of this God spoken of in Psalm 111. That is, the blessed man, the blessed life is one in which we seek to live and act in a way that reflects the character of God to others. The blessed life is to be righteous and merciful like God. It's to provide for the poor and act with justice. It's to love because God is love. Now in Genesis chapter 1, we have recorded the creation of man. And in verse 27 of chapter 1 of Genesis, we read, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male And female, He created them. You see, by our very design, humanity, both male and female, have been created to reflect the image of God in this world. We were designed by God so that as we live our life, people will see the character of God reflected in us. That means that as we live life in community with others, we are to conduct ourselves in a way that shows who God is. God is faithful, so we too must be faithful. God is loving, kind, and just, and therefore each of us are called to be loving and kind and just in community. And what Psalm 112 is communicating is that the most blessed life that we can live is a life that is most aligned with our created order And purpose. Did you get that? Do you want to live a life that is blessed? The most blessed life is when you live in alignment with your created purpose to show forth the image of God in this world. The blessed life does not consist of looking inward to find direction. It's not about self-discovery. Rather, the blessed life, the good life, is about looking outward towards God and seeking to be conformed to His image. We don't need to find our own personal path, for we were all created to find blessing in reflecting the image of the one true God. The image of the good life. Is not something that we are to create. But it is what we were created to pursue. But how do we get there then? What path must we take to reflect God's image and therein live the blessed life? We'll look at verse 1 of Psalm 112. There we read the path to the blessed life. It says, Blessed is the man 
who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Now, commercials, advertisements are ways of promising a a path towards blessing. It's estimated that each one of us who live in the modern American culture are exposed to over 3,000 commercials or advertisements a day. A chip or a soda will make you blessed. If you buy this car, you're going to be happy. If you buy this life insurance, this car insurance, or this supplemental insurance, you'll be able to rest content. And for our culture, the path towards blessing and contentment is clear. If you would be happy, whatever version of happiness that you have created in your own mind, the way to get there is to buy it. Author James Roberts in his book, Shiny Objects, subtitled, Why We Spend Money We Don't Have in Search of Happiness We Cannot Buy, explores the relationship between materialism and happiness in American culture. And he explains that as a culture, we pursue well-being and status through the items that we purchase. However, study after study confirms that more material possessions does not create greater joy, but rather it makes us less social less generous, and less content with our current life situation. Materialism actually leads us in the opposite direction from what we were created to do, to show the image of God to others. No, we become less social as we pursue consumerism. To give generously. No, we become less generous. To be content and blessed. No, we become less content. And I bring this up because consumerism is the dominant competing path to happiness in our culture today. It is the path that we will follow by default if we are not confronted with the Word of God. Yet Psalm 112 teaches us that we cannot buy the good life. Rather, the path to the good life is the fear of the Lord and to delight in His commandments. Now, first, the fear of the Lord means to have an awe or reverence or respect for God that leads us to obedience and worship. And the word of God continually points us to the reality that the fear of the Lord is what leads to blessing. And Psalm 34, we read, what man is there who desires life and love many days that he may see good? I think that all of us would say, yeah, right. I want life. I want to love the days that I live. I want to see good. This verse is preceded by, Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. It is the fear of the Lord that will lead to satisfaction and well-being in this world. You see, we must follow God's way. God's will. God's path. And to follow this path, there will have to be a submission to His purposes. For to fear the Lord is to submit to His way for your life. The second way the path to the good life is expressed is to greatly delight in His commandments. For God has graciously given to us His Word. 
And therefore we are called to, to enjoy, to greatly delight in His Word. We clearly miss the mark if we believe bare duty-bound obedience will lead to the life of blessing pr- promised by God's Word. Rather, the commandments of God must be our joy. His precepts must be our pleasure. Just as we read in Psalm 19, they are to be desired more than gold, even much fine gold. They are sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. You see, to follow the path of the good life, we must joyfully submit to God's way as expressed in God's perfect word. This is the path to blessing and reward and joy in this world and the world that is to come. What path do you take towards blessing? What path do you see yourself as you reflect upon your own life? How do you seek blessing? Consumerism or Christianity? When you want to show love, do you buy or do you serve? When you want to soothe pain, do you purchase or do you pray? When you are blessed with wealth, do you plan what you will get for yourself or how you might give what God has so graciously given to you? Is your identity tied up? Hear this, young ones, youth. Is your identity tied up in the brand of shoe that you wear or in the path of Christ that you walk? For every day we are bombarded with the message that the good life will come through the path of purchasing an identity in this world. But it is a lie. Blessing comes through the fear of the Lord and joyful submission to His way. The way of life. Yet it seems like this psalm is teaching a works reward system. If you obey the Lord, He'll give you children who are successful. Verse 2. He will give you wealth and riches. Verse 3. That relief and good news will always be right around the corner. Verse 4. That you will have a great reputation throughout the land, verse 6, and that you will be free of all fear because all of your enemies will be defeated at your feet. Verses 7 and 8. Is that what Psalm 112 is implying? Are the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel preachers right? Does God promise that if we are just faithful to Him and obey His Word, that He will give us all the good things in this world? That you are a son or a daughter of the King. Why should you live in want in this world? Is this God's aim to make us healthy and wealthy in response to our faith and obedience? To answer this question, we have to go to the life of the one man who we can confidently say embodied the image of God. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now the Bible tells us that He is the image of the invisible God. That He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He truly walked in the image of God. Reflected His created purpose as He was supposed to. He was completely faithful and obedient to God's Word. He walked the path of fearing the Lord and obeying the Word of God perfectly. There was no sin in Him. And what was the result? 
What is Jesus doing and how is he right now? Is he wealthy and healthy and powerful? Has he a name that is remembered and revered? Are his enemies melting away before him? The answer is yes. To Jesus is now and for all eternity being given all things. For to Him belongs glory and power and honor and dominion. And His body, His resurrected body is beyond death and is eternally vital and healthy and vigorous. He is blessed beyond all measure. Jesus, the one man who embodied the image of God and feared the Lord and took delight in His word is now living the most blessed good life that there is. But this is where we must pause and remember what the pursuit of this good life looked like in this world. For yes, Jesus received joy through His obedience. And yes, we must look to Jesus Christ in faith, believing that through Him, we too will receive blessing. But the book of Hebrews reminds us, let us run, let us walk this path with endurance The race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Let's look to Jesus because He's the one that did it. Who for the joy, He wanted the blessing. The joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You see, this is where the prosperity gospel runs so counter to God's Word and is no gospel at all. And how our brokenness and sin so obscures God's promises. For we read Psalm 112 and we see only the reward and we overlook the faith. We see the riches and overlook the generosity. We see the courage, but we overlook the opposition. For the pursuit of the good life must be grounded in trust in Jesus Christ. Trust that to pursue the blessing that we all desire, we must be willing to take the path of faith in Jesus Christ, which is the cross. For before Christ received honor, He received ridicule. Before He received wealth, He walked in poverty. Before Christ received the crown, He first went to the cross. Before He received His resurrected body free from pain or disease, He first was dead and buried. You see, the pursuit of the good life must begin with faith in the work of Christ. For there is not one beside Christ who was conformed to the image of God. There is not one of us who have not sought wealth through deceit, who have not sought pleasure at the expense of another, who have not by our selfish desire for gain rebelled against God and by our rebellion did not earn the good life, but rather death and the gnashing of teeth expressed in verse 10. Yet Christ took on the penalty that we earned. He endured the cross in submission to God's will and He opened the way of the blessed life to all who have faith in His work and His suffering. Not our work, not our suffering, but who have faith in Christ and will follow Christ in pursuing the blessed life. So what does it mean to live a good life? And how do we pursue it? 
This is what I asked at the beginning of the sermon for you to think in your own mind. What is my vision of the blessed life? And first, we saw that the good life must be lived in conformity to the image of God. Next, that the good life must be followed through the path of joyful obedience and submission to God. Third, we saw that we pursue this good life through faith in Jesus Christ, for we have all fallen short of our glorious creation in the image of God. We have all sinned and deserve to be punished, not to receive blessing. Yet Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. By His death and life of righteousness, He earned for us the blessing of the good life. And the final thing that we must see is that the height of the good life is the glory of God. Psalm 111 and Psalm 112 both begin with the same command. Praise the Lord. Westminster Shorter Catechism, question number one, which many of you are very familiar with. What is the chief end of man? Right? What is our created purpose? Why is it that we exist to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever? You see, this is the ultimate goal of the good life. The praise and glory of God. This is what you were created for. This is what your heart truly desires. We have been trained to pursue blessing and joy through self-gratification. We will be blessed and happy and content when we can buy or purchase whatever our hearts desire. That's what the world says. But God's Word teaches us that it is not through consumption that we will be blessed. It is not through achievement. It's not by retirement. It's not by minimalism. It's not by adventure. It's not by education that constitutes the good life that we are created to enjoy. But rather... The blessed life, the good life, the life that your heart desires for is the joyful glorification of the Lord Jesus Christ, both in this life and in the life that is to come forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we come to you now in this time and we confess before you that we are so surrounded by visions of the good life that are counter to your word that so often, like the fish that does not see the water around him, we do not see the temptations and the false paths that we follow. And so we pray, oh God, that you would open our eyes by your spirit, that we might truly walk the path of the blessed man. That is, that we might follow the command of Christ to take up our cross daily and to follow the Lord Jesus Christ to the life of eternal blessing through faith in Him. We pray this through His holy name. Amen.